Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, we're back at it. Uh, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's getting cold around here, uh, so you know, it, it's not too bad. It was really cold uh, and raining when I saw a soccer game over the weekend, which was a little bit uh, less enjoyable. But other than that, you know, it's just been weird going from pretty hot fall to not hot at all fall. Yeah, we've had a little bit of drop here and there. At night, it'll get cool, but we still had, I think it's supposed to get into the 80s today, so it's just hard to predict around here. I am looking forward to the fall weather, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting some colder stuff, and we're going to planning, Lord willing, going to Pennsylvania. So I imagine it's a little bit cooler up that way, which is even further north than you. We're, we're coming up on election time, and we're actually – it's uh, a week from yesterday when, when uh, voting day, election day is. Now, it remains to be seen if we'll know the outcome of the election by the end of that evening – uh, I, I hope that we do, just so that it doesn't turn into crazy chaos and stuff like that. But both uh, of, of these candidates and their vast network – so both of these candidates, man, they are um, in full court press mode now. And so they're making their last-ditch efforts to, to visit this place and that place to uh, rally the troops to go vote and, and hopefully you know, persuade those uh, that are undecided to their side. And they're on a mission of sorts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, a mission that and sometimes becomes the real priority of their life. And one would understand why. I mean, there's a lot at stake in any given election, and it's you know sort of becoming the most powerful person in the country, if not the world. And so um, it can become like an ultimate thing that the ultimate things are at stake uh, in this. And uh, there's you know we should care about the election, and you've already voted. Um, I plan to vote, and. Uh, but that, that brings us into our conversation today, an even greater mission um, that we should be engaged in, uh, that we shouldn't let the, the politics of wherever we live overtake this mission um, because it is one that is more important. And this is the, the topic. I don't know that the Bible uses this term missions, but it's the, the one that we commonly use to talk about uh, spreading the gospel across the globe. And so, Tony, just give us a brief definition of missions because I hear people using it for all kinds of things that I would say, yeah. That's not mission. So just for the purpose of conversation, what what is missions? Well, I'd say uh, definition of missions, I, I don't really have much of a sophisticated one. I'm not a missiologist by any stretch. Uh, but I see, in essence, missions as following the ends of the world part of the Great Commission and Matthew 28, as well as many other places. And it's really going into the world with the intent of bringing the good news of Jesus to people who have uh, not heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, this, I don't think this requires a formal involvement in agency to do this. You know, this could be referring to tent maker missionaries, uh, those who raise their own support, those who go on their own, even, you know, people that, you know, as an example, there was a guy a couple of years ago who maybe not 
and the most wise approach went by himself essentially to this island uh, that has, was extremely unreached. Uh, but I mean, that would fit to me the definition of missions. I think a big part of that is the, the reaching to the ends of the earth, and it's the intent to evangelize and to plant churches. Um, and often I, I see it in terms of crossing some sort of cultural boundary or linguistic boundary or a combination of those. Um, but sometimes you know you hear people talking about going and picking up trash or something as missions, less local missions. Well, I, I think that's community service. It's a good good thing to do. I mean, it can be a, a service to the community, but that's not the same thing as picking up your family and, and moving to a new culture, having to learn a new culture, a new language, and uh, all of that. And so, I mean, we're thinking of uh, evangelizing, church planting, and I mean, at least from my end, crossing some boundaries. Tony, what was your first exposure to missions? And, and when you kind of got an idea, was it before you were converted? Was it after? And kind of like, how did you view that? Yeah, it's actually tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. So uh, <laughs> but when I was 18, between my junior and senior year of high school, uh, right after my 18th birthday, I went to Mexico uh, with my youth group. And that was kind of my first experience of that. Uh, and it was a, a very poor part of Mexico, south of San Diego. And I was a little skeptical uh, that um, in some ways, uh, because of some of the charismatic abuses, I think, that went on that trip. Uh, I was part of a, a very Pentecostal church then. And I actually remember at a time where you know, I was kind of rebuked for this. But uh, there was uh, two different separate occasions, I think, where while we were there, uh, somebody came in to get healed and they wanted money. Uh, because, you know, they had like, they, they were stuck in the area and they needed the money to get home. And then miraculously, you know, they, uh, they could he they could walk better now and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think I was a little skeptical of that, to be honest, and that unique experience, uh, hmm. as well as probably some of the ways that I became skeptical of what, of how much impact we could have versus spent sending some money for people that could, you know, build better huts and stuff like that. So, mm, uh, yeah. But I think it did it help me to fight racism in my heart, to be honest with you. I think that a yeah, teenage Tony had some racism in his heart uh, and uh, and see the faith as a more global endeavor. And in fact, it really, I think, shaped me to see these godly Christians actually that were, to me, the locals down there uh, were very effective at trying to reach out for the gospel and committed to King Jesus uh, every bit as much as the missionaries that we kind of went with. Uh, in that. So I thought that it, it was a, more of a positive experience than a negative experience. How about you? Did you have any experience with missions growing up or, you know, uh, before or after your conversion? Uh, I mean, I grew up hearing about missions. I remember, you know, this was back in the days when if a missionary came to your church to tell about what their work um and possibly seeking support or prayer, those kinds of things, you know, that they would pull out slides and show you the slides of the things they're doing. Sometimes they'd be wearing the, the clothes from their culture, but not always. Um, but I remember seeing the slideshows, and I think in some cases, you know, an actual, like, slide machine, like not a PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I, I do distinctly remember that. And I, I hear about it in other contexts. Um, I went on a trip about the same age as you to Mexico, but we were on the uh, eastern coast of Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula. And, you know, it was a combination mission trip 
and vacation. But we actually did some some actual um, ministry. I mean, we did a VBS for some kids. We okay. um, tried to do some evangelism in a market. And I mean, I my Spanish it was certainly not stellar. I could have a little bit of a conversation with somebody, and um, you know, we passed out some tracks and things like that. But uh, and I too would share some of those concerns that because a, a lot of times missions, especially with younger people, can be tourism. Yeah. <laughs> and is that the most effective use of God's resources? And on the other side of that, though, there is the um, the reality that people go on those kinds of trips, and then God begins to to grow in them a concern for the nations uh, that then maybe flowers into them becoming a missionary. And I, yeah, I, I'm not fully settled on all of that, though. I think we should be very cautious um, and not just turn a missionary into a, a babysitter or a, a tour guide. Um but anyway, so I mean, I had these exposures, and I remember sometimes being like, "Oh man, the missionaries here—they're um, kind of strange, or they're going to try to guilt us into all becoming missionaries, or you know, things like that." Um, so my thinking on it has changed with time, and I, I mean, I have personal uh, have friendships, you know, with people who are serving overseas right now, and so yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's morphed over time as I've learned more, and my my heart has changed. Tony, is this something that you think kids and youth need to know about, or is this just something for adult believers? Um, I think they definitely do need to know about this in a very biblical way that's beyond maybe even some of the uh, the approaches that we tend to have to missions. By the way, I, I do know, uh, to be defended a little bit, what, what we our experience had been, uh, I know of uh, a youth group that would— uh, I know of a group that would often take young people to Outer Banks in North Carolina uh, for a, a kind of a missions week, and they had a very large attendance every week for that, which, like, if you don't know, Outer Banks is, like, one of the wealthiest parts of North Carolina, and, you know, it's, like, a gorgeous beach, and it would be midsummer. So, you know, <laughs> the... So, anyway, so uh, I'm sure that uh, there was a little more sacrifice in some ways in different cases, so... But um, I would say that absolutely many of them hopefully will be our world missionaries one day, are the missionaries that go over, go to some of the hardest to reach places and uh, will really serve King Jesus in that way. Uh, I think our generation really isn't supporting the work of missions nearly enough, nor is the generations before us. And so we need to raise up a generation that's not just going, but is so incredibly supporting in a way that wouldn't lead things like the IMB having to cut mission missionaries out of the field. Uh, I, I also will add our nationalistic age, which I think we live in a time of where well, there's a lot of nationalism in our country. And I think it needs the world Christianity of world missions. You know, I think that really spreads our our perspective to having more of a global approach to our faith. I agree with you that it is important for kids and youth to know about. Thankfully, it doesn't all rest on America. I mean, and we can tell at least we're many people listen from, and there are, I'm going to assume that your brothers and sisters in other countries, if you're listening to this, um, this is pretty pretty focused within the church. It's not just America that sends missionaries. We, we do have unbelievable resources here um, that unfortunately, they're not always unleashed for this. They're unleashed for, you know, snazzier buildings and nice coffee and 
you know, this kind of stuff, lasers. I have not researched this. I had heard a few years back, though, that um, there were other countries that were beginning to surpass the United States for a number of missionaries that were being sent out. And it's not even always the, the wealthiest countries. Thankfully, it's not up to America, though we do have a responsibility. Much has been given to us, and so much will be required. But, um, yeah, I think it's part of faithful Christianity uh, that we help put in the in the hearts of the next generations uh, a concern for the nations. And because we are among the nations ourselves, at least, you know, most of us. Although I did find out I took one of those um, – you know, DNA test. Um, it was given to me as a gift. And so I found out I'm like 9% Jewish or something. And I'm also, Tony, that you're going to be really surprised about this, but I am, uh, I have some traceable African roots as well. Interesting. So yeah, like 2% Nigerian or something. (laughs) So, uh, and and for those who, you know, you've never seen me, um, I'm very pasty and have blue eyes (laughs) and so anyway, but the, you know the nations are those countries, uh, are, are those people groups that are not Israel, and so um, most of us are that, and so we are among the nations, but reaching those other nations. As we look at helping to uh, get these next generations of, of kids and youth aware and concerned and engaged in missions, what are some dangers that we may uh, face in teaching them, uh, or, or what are some things that we should avoid? I would say that uh, some of the dangers we can engage uh, in is making missionaries that kind of first-class Christians, uh, which is something that uh, I, I certainly, I suspect you as well know, and Christians that kind of regard, you know, the highest possible calling by far is to be on world missions. And it's almost as if, you know, you're a failure as a Christian or you're a lesser Christian if you're not a uh, that world end of world missions. And, uh, and I think also we can have an unbiblical idea of personal calling. Uh, I, I certainly think that God works in people and that God uh, orchestrates the processes in which missionaries go out. Uh, but, you know, I've known people that uh, have you know, missions and in pastoral ministry that, you know, have said that I know that I'm called in the way that I know that the Bible is written type statement. And I think that's unhelpful and Especially unwise for young people that uh, that might and might have a hard time because of that later in life when they may not get in the field. Uh, and lastly, I will say um, uh, that I think we need to be careful of a kind of narcissism that can happen, especially in uh, short-term missions trips. Uh, that it can be shown in kind of uh, there's a really great book called When Helping Hurts. Uh, mm. that exposes a lot of these types of things. But I mean, there's a lot of uh, biblical principles that show sometimes, you know, when we go and do our, sometimes our approaches to missions are really very touristy and taking and can take advantage and can actually hurt uh, people in the field or do really no help when our money could have better been used elsewhere. But we really pat ourselves on the back uh, and have a big ego trip about it. So I think those are some of those dangers in it. What, what kind of dangers do you see, Ben? Well, certainly I would share those concerns. Um, I think those are all well-founded. I think too, um, and, and yeah, going back to the the first one you mentioned about like these are like the varsity Christians, they're the green berets for Jesus, <laughs> and I, I think that there is a level that you know missionaries who are off, especially if they're going into 
less than you know comfortable circumstances uh, that they're just their day-to-day life is harder than those of us who live in the industrialized west you know where there's wi-fi everywhere and air condition and um i mean we, we have some friends who are serving in africa and i remember it was a big deal when they got a window unit air conditioner for their bedroom because it was like now we can sleep uh, it was just so hot. It's just hard to sleep. And so there can be this this idolization almost. Um, and again, I'm thankful for the sacrifices that those brothers and sisters make. Uh, it is real. But I don't think God calls everyone to cross those cultural boundaries. Um, there are some uh, who, who should send and who should pray and, and facilitate um, others going. <clears throat> But we don't want to just put them in their this this special class. Uh, I think too that we can um, make it seem so otherworldly and distant. It's sort of an extension of of the, that concern, um, but it's just sort of this thing out there, and, and it doesn't really hit home. That I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe it well, uh, but I think that that can also take place. I think, too, that we want to be careful to, at least as I'm defining missions, and I think, or I know, that there are others who would define it the way we are. Um, This is not just our peculiar way of thinking about it, but again, that um, going out and picking up trash, you know, in in the downtown area is not missions. Um, You may evangelize in that process, but if that we do, I think we do it a disservice when everything is missions. Um, any kind of outreach, any kind of ministry outside the church is, is missions. I think that that may reduce our, our vision for actually you know, crossing cultural boundaries, going to the unreached, those kinds of things. And so I think it's important that we do define our terms well and, and help people see the difference. That's good. Now, I mean, I kind of just hit on this, but do you th- does God want everyone to be a missionary, Tony? Because I've, I've heard that sentiment many, many times um, that God calls us all to be missionaries, whether it's to, you know, cross the world or just cross the street. Yeah. So I think that he wants us all to be on mission as evangelists, but he doesn't clearly does not want everyone to be a vocational missionary. Uh, I think even in the New Testament, those going beyond their nations were a significant minority. Uh, We're far from the majority of Christians. Uh, if everyone becomes a missionary, uh, though, actually, uh, they will have to start sending uh, missionaries to the U.S. more. I mean, I guess if you understand it in the way that I think the the person that you're citing understands it, you won't. But uh, I, I just think pretty clearly that even the New Testament has a very different perspective of a dif- differentiation between those who go to other countries and those who are, are faithful to God as an evangelist and their workplace or their school or whatever. Uh, yeah, and I, I would completely agree with you because you read the New Testament and you never see Paul, who he's you know tearing up the road, going and planting churches and um, clearly wants to see the gospel spread, wants to, to proclaim Christ where he is not known. But he never rebukes the churches for like, why are you guys sitting on your your heels, you know, there in Corinth or in Ephesus? You need to get up and go. Um, though some God would would have to go and equips for that purpose. <clears throat> but I, I, again, I, and that's 
back to that concern that if, if everything is missions, then eventually just nothing is missions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, a lot, and, and I mean, I can't give you specifics, but I've seen the, the data on this more than once that the majority of money missions, money that's given is spent in areas that are more reached than not, not, not to say that everybody there is a Christian. Um, but that as missiologists categorize it, you know, the, a sufficient amount of the population has been evangelized and, and that kind of thing. Um, whereas there's a number of other cultures where there are no believers, there are no witnesses to Christ. And uh, in some places, I mean, maybe just a few, but, you know, th there's not an established church, this kind of thing. And so a lot of our giving is focused in on these places where there's already been a lot of work. And I think that there, there has to be a... Um, building up of the church, but also helping to to establish them in the faith so they don't drift off into error. Uh, but then there's also the expansion. Tony, how can we go about getting the next generations, and I say that plural, generations, involved in missions uh, and or just caring about the nations? Things that we do at our church that I think have been helpful, maybe, uh, we'll see, you know, over time. Uh, we actually, every month with our youth group, we ask the teens to pray for a certain country, uh, different countries every month, uh, and pray for the Christians there, but also pray that people are able to be reached for the gospel there. Uh, and I actually picked that off of like a missions website uh, that has different countries for different, different countries for different days of the year. Uh, and during the, our all-nighter, which we're kind of switching to a late-nighter, uh, we actually spent a time of an hour watching a video uh, about persecuted church countries uh, where persecution is strong and about the acts to try to really witness there. And we, we spent a lot of time in prayer for the persecuted church. Uh, and then I'll add, you know, we do like— uh, we and for the kids ministry, we try to do during the summers when possible and COVID's not happening. Uh, we have kind of a missions-based kids curriculum that really gets them engaged in that kind of stuff. Uh, further, you know, we we do a. Um, uh, a missions week sort of with the uh, teens. Uh, it is not, you know, strictly speaking, always evangelistic. Uh, it is, you know, we do an M-Fuge with, with your church, Missions Fuge, which is through a Southern Baptist group. And we really try to push that, you know, you're not just there to help uh, help kids that are in a homeless shelter or do whatever responsibly they ask you to, but we need to be sharing the gospel. But I think that can still get the kids' feet kind of wet uh, in a way that they're actually being useful in a way that they might not be as much if they go to some uh, out-there country all of the time. Um, and I, I, we try to be very careful. I think we should be careful always about unhelpful trips that are just kind of fun first or, you know, are not actually benefiting missionaries. Uh, and last thing I'll add that, um, which is deeply relevant for an uh, coming podcast that we're going to have, uh, because we're going to do this in the coming podcast, is introduce young people to missionaries. Uh, you know, give them opportunities to speak when they're in furlough. Uh, and to talk about the work God is doing to young people. What would you have to add to that? You know, one thing that we try to do um, with our kids' ministry is, to, in the ways that we pray, uh, our church has a long-term relationship with this village way up in the mountains in Peru called Omas, and there are a handful of believers in the village. There's no real established church, though. Um, there's a couple of missionaries who live in a village that's, 
I think it's a couple hours away. Um, but we've, we're not doing it currently, you know, COVID kind of disrupted this, but, uh, for a while we had this, uh, a team of people that would receive emails praying for specific individuals within the village, um, that, that repeated teams from our church. And I think we've had a relationship with them for over a decade now, um, where we've sent one to two, maybe three teams a year, uh, to go help, to try to evangelize and um, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we would get the emails to pray for, you know, Eduardo or whoever it was. And so sometimes they were believers, often they were not. And uh, so when I would get those, I, I, I would bring those and say, hey, you know, this is so-and-so person. And sometimes it was children. And just letting them see that these, these are real people. This is a kid like you and praying for their salvation or praying that they would be built up in the faith. Um and then we've done things with persecuted as well, just helping them to to know. Because I mean, when you're a kid, it's not necessarily their fault. Their their vision is limited. And it's just sort of like me and my friends, and um, you know, you just don't have as much experience and awareness. And so helping them to know Christians in other places don't have it as easy. And so um, letting them see that, and just when we're praying, I mean, because this is a big concern in Scripture. It's not like the now, formal missions as we have it, like, you know, Paul uh, and Silas, that's in the New Testament. You don't really see that in Israel, though. I mean, you have Jonah going to Nineveh um, reluctantly to, to tell them to repent. Um, and so you get maybe some seeds of that. But, I mean, in Genesis 12, you have God promising to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham. Yeah. And then, I mean, you read the Psalms. It's all over the place about, you know, let the, let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. Um, there's a very, very uh, resounding note that God is going to be uh, glorified among all the nations that they will come and bow. You know, Isaiah. I mean, there's just there's a lot of places where you can go in the Old Testament, and so praying towards that end, even with children, Lord, you know, we pray that you would send out workers into the harvest field, and that you would reach the nations. Um, these kinds of things, and just making that even a possibility for them that maybe one day God would want you to do that. Uh, I don't think you want to try to whip up guilt in them, but just to show God is concerned about reaching the nations and being glorified in the nations. And, you know, here's ways that we can do it. Uh, another one, a big one, and a big in that it's very popular, and, and I think it really has borne fruit, um, is Operation Christmas Child. Um, people have various mm -hmm. perspectives on that, but whatever. You can say, I mean, they, they have gotten the gospel out a lot, and it is a tangible way for kids to see, um, you know, see that happening and, and to have a hand in it. So, Tony, what can parents do towards that end? I mean, that, that last question was kind of more focused on what we can do at the church level, but what can parents do to help get their kids uh, involved in missions or just caring about God's work among the peoples of the earth? So a first thing is honestly something I don't do, but I, I probably will start doing it, uh, is the International Missions Board has kind of missionary prayer calendars uh, available mm -hmm. on their websites. And uh, they and you can find that or whatever mission script you want to go with that believes the Bible uh, and pray, pray for uh, during family worship, pray for specific missionaries or specific missions fields. I think that would be hugely helpful for our family discipleship. Uh, and I think as we've seen, uh, parents can see where God is really guiding kids. So parents have a huge pivotal role. 
uh, we talked about this in the vocation, you know, and the strengths that God has really given our kids. Uh, and think about that as they think about missions, uh, you know, and guide them, give them wisdom towards that end. So uh, one other thing I'll add is, you know, we are recording this uh, as um, uh, this will actually be coming out as Lottie Moon offerings in some churches, some Baptist churches of Lottie Moon offerings, which is an IMB uh, missions fund that's done around Christmas time. It's kind of gauging and getting into gear. And uh, you can, if you're Baptist, maybe celebrate giving your Lottie Moon offering together as your family, even asking the kids to give a little bit of money towards it. Uh, or, you know, if you don't have Lottie Moon, uh, find some other ways to support financially missions uh, with the kids involved in that. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I, like one thing that we, we have on the side of our refrigerator, we have a couple of prayer cards for some missionaries that we know. Um, one, they're IMB missionaries, so, I mean, the IMB pays their salary. Um, but, I mean, I pray for them. can't say that we pray for them as a family as much. We have in the past. There's another family that they're with another agency, and they have to raise their own support, and, and our family is able to contribute a little bit. And um, we often— uh, though I've, uh, lately, I, I've not done this as well, but we'll pray for them, you know, when we're praying for dinner. And uh, it's just, and they're they're having a baby and that kind of thing. And it's just something to talk about with the kids. And they hear me bringing those requests to the Lord. Um, and so I, I like what you're talking about, though, just the bringing into your own family worship and the, the giving. Um, you know, one thing that I think you, you could consider, not that you can't put this on somebody's conscience, but consider one year if not every year making the biggest gift you give not with not to your kids or not within the family but like giving the biggest gift to missions and making it known to your you know people you live with that that's what you're doing um again i mean that that's an idea um that's not certainly the bible doesn't tell us we have to do that uh, the bible also doesn't tell us we have to celebrate christmas but <laughs> that's no, another conversation um so, Tony, what do you think parents and churches should do with young people who are showing a lot of interest in missions uh, and maybe even a desire to give themselves vocationally to it? Yeah, so I, I would say that we can encourage them to focus on character, which is something I know that the missionary we're going to interview has talked to me a lot about, uh, and developing character and developing the focus of sharing the gospel now, because I think that's something that's missed in the glorifying uh, and sometimes unhealthy way of missions. Uh, I'll also add we should educate them about missions agencies uh, now, and uh, I think parents and churches can both do that, uh, make them know about the places where they could go, the opportunities they could have to serve, the specific needs that are even available throughout the world. What do you think about that, Ben? I think both of those are very good recommendations, and the character thing especially, because depending on what role they may have, you know, they may need to be uh, qualified to be an elder, and so a lot of that is uh, is character. Um, yeah. I think that we want to to give them opportunities to serve where possible. Um, you know, maybe you've got at your church or another local church some sort of uh, East uh, teaching English as a second language kind of thing. I know of a, another church uh, where I'm, I'm friends with uh, a lot of people there. My my family's uh, member or my my parents are, and they have had a, a it's conversation corner 
where people were le- wanting to learn to speak English, and you know the church was providing. This is not a very big church, but um, their pastor has a a very big concern that the nations be reached, and he has. Um, you know, help them to establish some long-term relationships overseas, uh, as well as okay, here, what can we do here locally? And so, giving, making them aware of those kind of things. Hey, would you like to participate in that? Because um, I've heard many people say, and the guy that's um, our one of our pastors here who has helped lead missions for uh, a few decades has talked about, you know, that getting on a plane doesn't make you a missionary. You know, if and that goes back to the character thing. If there's certain things you weren't doing before you got on the plane, it's not like suddenly the the Holy Spirit infuses you with that. And so, um, you know, even just encouraging them to share the gospel and that kind of thing, maybe to get involved with kids ministry or, or uh, there's there's a lot of permutations of that. That's good. Um, so Tony, what should <clears throat> or excuse me, um, is there anything that you think parents and churches need to be careful about or should avoid with with someone that's in that position of being interested in missions or even outright saying like I want to be a missionary yeah so I I think we sometimes we can treat those who pursue missions in the same way that we we treat to altar calls kind of you know you jot it down in the book when God calls you this day and uh, if you ever forget you can turn to that and I, I think this gives people <laughs> promises like you know if a teenager or a kid's like wants to be a missionary we're, we're like guaranteeing them a state like a stamp on them that you're going to be a missionary and this gives them a false promise and a biblical approach to promises and it can give them a lot of shame because the reality is that, uh, one, I mean, a lot of people just aren't going to be able to find a missions agency that send them if they want to go. Or, you know, they can set people up into a situation or, you know, say, uh, you know, you uh, there's a godly woman in the youth group that wants to be a missionary. And she goes to college and she meets a godly man who loves Jesus, who really wants to be able to kind of reach, uh, you know, say he's from like Seattle and he wants to reach people from his neck of the woods uh, by being a CPA or something like that. And she debates, you know, is she disobeying God to marry the man? And as a result, probably never go on the missions field. Uh, you know, and I think in those cases, both actions are being faithful to King Jesus. Both actions are obeying God. Uh, and we shouldn't give a kind of shame that would make it so the person would feel kind of stuck in a commitment that they made in the past. Uh, or I think also we shouldn't uh, over-elevate young people that have shown expressed a um, commitment to be missionary or a pastor. Uh, sometimes I feel like we can almost treat them as kind of like overly glorious and ignore uh, areas where they need to be challenged to grow because of, you know, we exalt the works of missions. You don't because their probably pride is going to be an area of susceptibility for them, especially if it's like, man, look at me. I'm I'm more serious about my faith than my friends and then the pastor pastors at church or people they, they think this is great. And wow, look I'm I'm really doing something good for Jesus. And um you can just easily see that working that way. And I I really liked what you said about the calling thing. Uh, helping them to understand that calling is more than internal. I mean, Peter talks yeah. about, you know, for those who would be an overseer, a pastor, an elder, you know, that if you desire that, it's a good thing. I believe it's Peter. Am I right? I think so. Okay. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> the Holy Spirit said it ultimately. So, but it, it's that if you have that desire, it is a good thing. 
Um, but there's more to it than simply just the desire. And I know I, I'm not denying that God can or has done this uh, in the past, but like an, an organization that wants to know about um, what has happened statistically at our vacation Bible schools, one of the questions that they ask is how many people were called into ministry? So far as I know, none. Now, God may have been at work in people's hearts, um, but I think that we do need to help guard against you know this. Again, the Lord may be at work, but we want to help them think carefully about that and um, to see that they do need the affirmation of the church and also the need to prepare. Like, yeah. let's not just – if they're super zealous and just as soon as they graduate high school, let's – you know put them on the drone and drop them off somewhere um, that, you know, because Paul, I mean, let's take Paul as an example. Paul had a lot of training in the Old Testament, uh, much more than in any of these kids uh, would have, kids or young people. But he didn't, he, he did where he was um, in Antioch when he was converted. He did begin engaging there, but he didn't go on his missionary journeys until some extended time after that. Paul tells Timothy, if someone wants to be an overseer or an elder, a pastor, they desire a good thing. But there's there's more to it than simply internal desire. Fair. And so I think that the need to be prepared, to be able to teach um, well and to help singularly to uh, one who passes on God's word, who can help others do the same thing. Uh, so I think those are some things that we definitely want to uh, to guard against. So Tony, uh, we're t- we talked about you know just even in the definition of mi- missions about uh, crossing boundaries, planning churches, evangelizing. It's not again digging wells and clean water and AIDS relief. All those kind- those are good things, um, but. Is church planning or, or Bible translation the only options for young people or adults to consider if they want to be a missionary, if they want to see um, the nations reached for Christ? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that there are many op- other options uh, in, in really glorious ways. And so one, I think, really great one that a lot of young people can pursue, even actually in some ways doing world missions from home during covid is uh, TESOL, uh, teaching English as a second language, uh, which gives you opportunities to get into some countries that strongly limit missionaries. Uh, mm-hmm. I think sometimes TESOL teachers, if you know, you actually allow it to be a means to an end, can uh, exp- can present the gospel to a lot of students, uh, young people in a lot of these countries in really great ways. Um, I mean, there can be uh, those who do tent making, you know, it's an expression because Paul literally, you know, built tents and uh, the, but uh, I mean, you could be, somebody could decide that they're going to commit themselves to missions to instead of, you know, say, instead of being a plumber and, you know, Arkansas, they could decide, you know, I'm going to go to Cambodia and I'm going to work as a plumber there and, and meet a need there in hopes that I can share the gospel with people while I'm doing it. And not just with the vague hopes, but with the actual intentionality that I'm going to do that. Uh, and maybe even when they won't need financial support to do that. I think that's glorious and wonderful. Uh, I also know, like, there's a guy that uh, Archer supports as a missionary. who He works with Trans World Radio, and I believe he does have opportunities to share the gospel. Actually, the majority of what he does is he works as basically a technician 
and they're uh, they they basically have this like satellite radio stations, and he he sets up all the technology for them so that they can get the message of the gospel out over radio waves. And I think that even though that's not strictly speaking like Matthew twenty eight, I hundred percent this is part of the great missions effort in a very real sense. That's being a missionary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think those are those are really good things to point to. It's some of the same things I was thinking, um, and, and that can be a way that parents and churches can even help young people to think about their own vocations as they're moving out into life and needing to get a vocation. That some of them may be called into what we would call vocational ministry, but others, like you said, the plumber or uh, an engineer or somebody who's good with computers, um, those kinds of things, there is need for that and demand uh, for that in other places. And so, I mean, I've, and not to say that the IMB is the best, just I have knowledge of it. Um, the IMB has been developing a strategy the last several years, from what I've heard, um, where they're trying to reach strategic cities across the world that are just big population centers where there's a lot of people coming in and out of there, going back to other places. And um, they're trying to rely on people who can pay their own way, essentially, that they can have employment in the country and they're not dependent on IMB funds. Um, and, and in some cases, they may be paid well f- uh, for what they do, but they're going there not just to earn a paycheck. Uh, they're going there also to help plan a church. And so um, I think that can be something to just put – in people's minds to consider like, hey, you want to be an engineer? You're really good at math and science. It's great. Could you do that somewhere else than here? Um, and not to say that God would have everyone do that. I think we don't want to be careful not to guilt. Um, but just again, in our prayers, when they hear us praying like that uh, and, and really meaning it, I think that, that that is going to soak in with some and, and help them rethink how they might pursue their vocation. Uh, and they can be actually doing good for others. And we did a, a podcast episode about vocation and things like that. We can do our work to the glory of God. And so uh, as an engineer or as a plumber, doing real tangible good to people, but also trying to benefit them uh, eternally. And, and I mean, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention medicine. I mean, medicine is a very big need uh, in, in a lot of places overseas. And so, um, yeah, those are things for us to consider. And uh, as we shepherd our own children, as we shepherd young people uh, in our churches that we have relationships with. So, Tony, thanks for talking about this uh, with me and you know, for what you guys are doing at your church, trying to, to bring awareness of this. Because it's, it's ultimately not missions agencies, finally, that, that should be sending people. It's local churches. So, all right. Well, God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week and join us again every first and third Thursday.